McShane Bible study day 40 in Genesis 42. And I didn't have a lot to say about this. We're in the middle of the story of Joseph and his brothers. His brothers have just now approached him and he threatened them of being spies. And he made one of them, Simeon, he made Simeon stay with him. Long story short, he put their money back in their pack secretly and he gave them lots of grain. It's kind of an interesting picture. I'm maybe stretching a little bit. I mean, that Joseph is the bigger picture like this, but there's like a, a mini picture here of uh, Simeon carrying the, the burden, the pain, while they're set free and sent back into the world with, with riches and food, right? For the family, for their father and everyone else in their family. So now we're in Mark 12, and we, we just read through the parable of the tenants where... Uh, Jesus is obviously talking about God establishing this vineyard that was, uh, you know, run by people that were supposed to be running it according to God's ways, but they went other ways. And so he sent prophets, but they killed prophets. So finally he sent his son and they, Jesus is saying, you're going to kill me too, just like you did the others, because you think you want to control this vineyard for your own purposes instead of for God's purposes. But God is higher and better. And this is all according to scripture. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And so this has always been known. And this is always how things happen. So when it happens again in our day, it should not be a surprise. Because it has happened over and over and over again in the history of God's people. So, And then they have the thing, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And they're trying to catch him because the Herodians are lined up under Caesar. So they're all about keeping Caesar's law because he ensures that they have power. The Pharisees are about um, being separate from that. And so they don't think taxes should be paid to Caesar. Now, they're, they're kind of a middle ground because they like they don't want their current system to be disrupted. But they also know that, I mean, the people definitely don't like paying the taxes and they're more on that side. So if he says, yes, pay taxes, then the Pharisees can, you know, the people will stop liking him. If he says, don't pay taxes, then he can get in trouble with the Romans. And, you know, that would be a big problem for him. And so he says, bring me a denarius. Whose inscription is this? Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And so, like you said, he's he's always got a higher understanding but what, what he's showing is, I'm talking about a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual reality that is above and superior to the things of this world that you are worrying about. And then in the next one, he's talking about the Sadducees asking about the resurrection and the woman marries seven brothers and never has a son whose, whose wife is she in heaven. He says, is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Now, these men studied the scriptures every day, more than we do. Like, they, they really knew the scriptures. And, but he says, you don't know them. He's saying, you can know all the words, but if your heart is to not receive the truth from God, you'll make up your own understanding of what the words mean. You must first humble yourself. And then he says, after know the scriptures, he says, nor the power of God. That, the, that God, by his spirit, teaches us 
and directs us so that we receive wisdom and understanding from him. That's He is the one that brings the words to life. Helps us to see what's there. Because it's funny, you can go back and read uh, like things all... Almost all the prophets talked about Jesus when he was to come, but most people missed it. And we can go back and read it and say, how did they miss it? But because they had built up religion around what the scriptures meant, and they were incapable of perceiving that God would do something differently than the religion that they had built up. That's why we have to always be careful that we're not creating. God told me many years ago, be careful what you think you know, because we can receive religious understanding from others or possibly be in error ourselves of our understanding. And we have to hold those things lightly unless the scripture is absolutely certain and clear or we are absolutely clear we've received a word from the Lord. Hold those things lightly and see, is this really the truth of the Lord? Just continue seeking him in all that we do. And then, you know, there's the great commandment, which is love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. And he's the scribe who knows this. He says, you're not far from the kingdom. Basically, once once it becomes available, maybe that scribe uh, did come into the fellowship with the believers. We don't know. And then... Where is it? Uh, verse 34 says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Remember up above that, he was saying... You know, he approached Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus says, most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. And he agreed, and Jesus said, yeah, you are not far off. And then Jesus quotes Psalm 110. It's got to be the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. It's a really important psalm for what God is doing, which is bringing up priests and kings into the order of Melchizedek. So we're in Job 8, and yeah, like you said, uh, Bildad, so another one of Job's friends, is speaking. And much of what he says is true, right? Can papyrus grow where there is no marsh? He's just saying we need God. Such are the paths of all who forget God. He's saying... You know, most of it is saying we need God for life. But then in the end, he holds it, which if he were today, this would be what they call a prosperity gospel. He said, behold, God will not reject. And well, this even this first verse is correct. Behold, God will not reject a blameless man, nor take the hand of evildoers. So that's correct. But he assumes in that the next part. 21, he will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouting. So if we assume that everything with God is roses, he wants everything to be good for our flesh. That's kind of what generically a prosperity gospel says. And and that's what often, that's often even someone who doesn't agree with that. It's just kind of in our flesh to think, well, that's surely the way of God. When... God does does not reject Job, a, a blameless man. He has good plans for him, but he also does take him through a little suffering and some trials in order to bring about his purposes in Job's life. So now we are in Romans 12, and it starts out, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Do you know what a sacrifice was in the Old Testament? Like... 
killing something and burning it on an altar? Yeah, I mean, it, it could be grain. It could be a grain offering. But, but a lot of times we think of the animal, bringing an animal, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's killed on the altar, right? It's burnt up in the fire. And so he's saying, present your body to the Lord as holy and sacred. You're, you give your life to him. He says, this is your spiritual worship. To give him our lives, right? Mm-hmm. It goes far beyond what most people think. He's saying, give your life to God. Do not be conformed to this world. Do you know what that means? That means the world out there has its way of doing things. All the people that we encounter out there, they have their ways. He said, don't live the way they live just because they live that way. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So seek God that he can transform our way of thinking. So we think like he thinks and not like the world around us thinks. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. So the more we do this, the more we're able to understand and know what God wants either us to do or in a certain situation. You see that? So this is the process of growing closer to God. Discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. So as our mind is transformed and renewed, as we seek Him, we have understanding that goes above the ways of this world. Three, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Even Jesus didn't think highly of himself. He kept himself low, right? So what what tends to happen is when, when we make certain advances in our spiritual growth, uh, Satan will sneak in a different direction and start to saying, oh, you're so great, you're so wonderful, and start to puff us up with pride. And, and Paul's saying, no, don't do that. The minute you start to think that you're something special in the Lord, you've cut yourself off from him. And you, this process of growth is, is stunted. You, it's not going to happen anymore. And he says, according to the measure of faith. So we've talked about that a lot. There's faith, and then there's another layer of faith, and another layer of faith. It's like an onion. There's deeper and deeper realms of coming into the life of the Lord, and it's entered through faith. And so our faith grows over time um, as we continue to seek him. So that's what he calls the measure of faith that God has assigned you. And then the rest of it is just really cool because he just talks about how we are bound together as one body in Christ. And and then individually, what should our life look like? And you just give lots of examples of trusting in the Lord. Uh, you know, how, how, what our personality, how, how, not our personality per se, but who we are inside and how we view things. The vengeance is the Lord's. We don't worry about it, right? Mm-hmm. All right, well, that's it for today. You want to say goodbye? God, goodbye and God bless you. Oops.